Did you know what you may Welcome see to the Life Spring Church podcast. in your life may the word of God be a blessing as the to greatest you. Struggle Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us to become your greatest strength. What you see in life as the greatest struggle has the potential to become your greatest strength. By the leading of the Holy Spirit today with the help of the Lord, I just want to help some of us, even maybe myself a little bit today. Let's just refocus. Let's just readjust. Let's just make sure we've got it in tune today. And if you need a title, I'm going to get around to this subject line here in just a little bit today. But we're going to focus our thoughts and comments today, the word of God around the idea, the fire line, the fire line. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. <clears throat> I sank so much, I drank just about all the water. I don't know if that's good news or bad news, but I'm all right. Thank you. Proverbs, chapter 30, verses 15 and 16. It says, the horse leech has two daughters crying, give, give. Here's the part I want to focus on. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things. Say not, it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire saith not, it is enough. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Fire is never satisfied. Fire will burn on and on and on and on and on. Oftentimes when we think of fire, we think of the, the blazing fire, the, the flames which are licking high, the, the, the heat that radiates a, a strong distance away from where the fire is burning, but Fire can burn on and on even beyond just the flames. My neighbor had a, a few trees cut down and he felt brave and decided to dig out the stumps. And he piled them up in his backyard and lit them on fire. Our entire neighborhood smells like burning stumps. Because the fire was for just a moment. But for several days, those stumps just sat there, and we use the word smolder. The, the heat was enough inside the, the material of the, of the stump that it just kept burning and burning and burning and burning, even though there was no raging flame or some raging fire. It just burnt on and on and on. Fire is never consumed. So you can probably agree with the wisdom of Solomon through your personal experiences. You understand that fire is never satisfied. If you've watched or noticed fire when it burns and it is in that, that blazing phase of, of burning, it, it burns in a line. And if you can, if you can endure the line of fire... There's always the reprieve that comes right behind it fairly quickly. The fire moves forward in this, this straight line. It marches along in a line. 
devouring everything that's in its path. And then quickly it leaves behind a charred trail of destruction. It's the intense flames of the fire line that can quickly sweep through. A carnal moment is that. It's the old movie, or the old story, if you've read it, Old Yeller. There's some people in here too young, they don't even know what I'm talking about. We need to break out some good literature. Well, don't get me on that topic. It was an old yeller. They were concerned about the, the prairie fire that would come burning through and did come burning through. It approaches quickly over the hill and then quickly burns through the valley and you have to prepare yourself very quick for the fire line. The fire line is all-consuming. The fire line does not have a preference as to what it will burn or what it does not burn. The fire does not stop and distinguish between things. The fire does not stop in a neighborhood and says, oh, that's the mayor's house, I think I'll save it. The fire does not burn down a street and say, oh, this is the poorest person on the street. I will not burn their house down. The fire burns without any distinguishing. It doesn't matter the value. It doesn't matter the owner. It doesn't matter the age. Fire just consumes everything that is in its path. And so the brave men and women of the fire department will do everything they can to stop the fire, but their greatest Success is when they attack the fire at the fire line. There are many defensive moves that can be made, but if they must go to the fire line if you want to stop the fire. Can I tell you today, it's the intensity of the fire burning at this fire line that changes people's lives. In the physical world, if you're caught in a fire, it can, can radically change your life. I had a friend in school who was caught in a fire, and it radically changed his life. It changed the way he appeared. It changed the way he moved. It changed the way he functioned in life radically because of the effects of the flame. It's the same not just in the physical world, but also in the spiritual world. There is a fire that burns in our world today and it seeks to consume everything that it can get a hold of. This flame is sourced from hell itself. It is the demonic flames of deception and the demonic flames of sin and the demonic flames of addiction and bondage. The demonic flames of Torture that come upon us with shame and guilt and condemnation. And they will burn with all intensity as long as there is fuel to keep them burning. I want to tell you today. The only way you overcome the fire of hell is when you go to the fire line. And you begin to work. And you begin to conquer the fire. When you stand at the fire line of spiritual battle today, I want to tell you, it will change you. There are those who will stand on the mountaintop and they'll look into the valley and they'll watch the fire burn. And they can see the power of the fire. And they can see the effects of the fire. But their life is not changed dramatically because they have not been engaged with the fire. 
Victory isn't won following the fire line, putting out flare-ups. And I'm thankful for every firefighter or fire warrior that goes around behind putting out flare-ups. But I want to tell you today, we can't live our lives running behind all the destruction that the spirit world is casting around us thinking if we'll just put out the the leftover fires, we're making progress. It's a never-ending struggle. It'll be a never-ending endeavor. If we are going to find victory in our lives spiritually, we must move beyond the, the torched and charred remains of the fire line and we must become engaged at the fire line. book of Daniel you can read the story Daniel chapter 3 verses 22 through 25 we'll read through it quickly you're familiar with it it's the story of the he the three Hebrew children therefore because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you want to talk about a hot fire line The very men who bound up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and pushed them into the flames themselves were consumed. Man, it feels like sometimes life is just so powerful that if you even get close, it's just going to consume you. Verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. What a tumble. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, O king, true, true, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not burnt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The very thing that tries to bind you requires the fire to loose you. If the fire was strong enough to kill the men throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the flame, it should have been strong enough to burn off the bonds before they fell. But God had a process. God had a plan. God had a a work that he wanted to accomplish. And it was through his divine destiny that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, while bound, fell through the flames into the furnace. Aren't you glad that's not the end of the sermon today? Aren't you glad Paul Harvey could walk in today and say the rest of the story? And some of you may feel like in the spiritual battles that you are facing that you have been bound and you are falling through the flame. It may feel like you're being tortured. It may feel like you're being tormented. Addiction may have a grip on you. Past faults and failures may have a hold on you. Unanswered callings may be beckoning to you. But I want to tell you today, When you get to the bottom of the furnace, somebody's going to meet you there. 
And the very thing that you feel is the pain in your life right now will be the same source that looses you from the bondage. In our lives, we look at the heat. In our lives, we look at the flame. In our lives, we look at the destruction of power, the, the results of the fire. But when King Nebuchadnezzar looked in, he didn't see the flame. He didn't see the destructive power of the fire. When he looked in, he saw a fourth man walking in the fire. I want to tell you today, you may be in a fiery trial. You may be in a fiery temptation. You may feel you're going through the flames of life. You may be in an intense spiritual battle today. But hold on. Look around. Don't keep your attention on the flame. But look for the man who stands in the flame with you. For Jesus Christ himself is with you and he is engaged with you at the fire line. He's with you. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The fire you thought hell sent to destroy you is the very flames that God will use to liberate you. Can I tell you today, you'll not be overcome by the struggle. You will not be overcome by the struggle. But you will be victorious in your battle. You will be victorious in the war that you're struggling through and you're fighting through today. Just keep on fighting. You can overcome addiction. Just keep on fighting. You can be forgiven because of sin. Keep on believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. You can be delivered from pride and selfishness. You can if you will just face the flame and engage at the fire line. Don't stand back and pray that God will do for you what you're watching Him do for another. Don't walk behind the fire line saying if I can just put out all the hurt and the pain that's going on in my life, it'll be okay. I want to challenge you today. Step up to the fire line. Step up to the very source. Step right in the middle of your struggle and call out to the one who's in the midst of the flame. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your strength. Jesus, I need your deliverance. And it is right there in the midst of the flame and in the midst of the fire, you'll notice my hands were once bound but now they're loosed my feet were once bound but now they're free my mind was once in bondage but now I began to think more clearly there's something powerful about the fire line the fire burns yes but the pain of the struggle continues on and on and on until we decide that we will face it and deal with it. God uses pain. God uses pain. Everything God created has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose. Our pain has a reason. What is the reason? The reason is because pain gets our attention. We could very easily demonstrate this today. We could have somebody just set their hand right down here on the, the altar area and I could just stomp on your finger. Pain will get your attention. Well, that pastor's not very nice. He stomped on my finger. I'd agree. Pastors who stomp on fingers probably aren't real nice. 
but it got your attention. And that's what God uses pain for. That's how God uses it in our lives. He uses the struggle. He uses the burn. He uses the blisters. He uses the open sores. He uses the pain that keeps growing and growing and becoming more and more intense until we say, okay, God, I'm listening. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are falling through the flames, bound. By the time they got through the flames to the bottom, I don't know if they had cat-like reflexes. It may have been a thud. But when they got to the bottom, there were no more bondages on them. I want to tell you today, you may be falling through the flame, but if you'll just put your trust and hope in Jesus... If you'll just put your confidence in Jesus, he will make all the difference in your life. Would you be willing today to meet Jesus at the fire line in your life? You won't arrive and have to wait on him. You won't get there and, and have to look at your clock and say, okay, what's this scheduled appointment? When's Christ going to show up? If you'll run into the fire line today and you'll face your struggle and you'll face your, your, your pain and your hurt and your agony today, I will tell you Jesus is standing there ready to deliver you and ready to free you. Would you be willing today to release the fear, the uncertainty, and just give God a chance to work in your life? Would you give God a chance to make a difference in your life? I'm pretty aware of my audience today. Many of us, most of us, maybe all of us, have committed our lives to Christ. We've been obedient to the gospel. We've repented of our sin. We've been baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sin. We've been filled with His Spirit. You may say, Pastor, you're preaching a message to a lost world today, but today we're saints sitting on pews. Oh, I know who my audience is today. And I felt by the unction of the Holy Ghost, you needed to be told today the struggle and the fight that you're going through. It may not be about salvation, but it may be about staying saved. It may be about overcoming the day in and the day out. Uh, it may be about Tuesday through Friday and Saturday. Uh, it may be about the dark hours when you're alone. Uh, it may be about the cabinet in the, in the other room where you're grabbing the pills out of. Or it may be the bottle that you have hidden somewhere. Uh, or it may be the secret addiction that's inside your computer. I'm telling you today, God's crying out to us. If my people, which are called by my name, will first humble themselves and then pray and then seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he will heal our land. Our struggle does not disown us from God. He started out with, if my people. God's people have problems. But God's people aren't supposed to stay in problems. 
God's people have struggles, but God's people are not supposed to be overcome by struggles. God's people have hard times, but God's people don't get knocked down and stay down. God's people always rise up. God's people are victorious people. God's people are overcoming people. God's people win in the end. God says, I give you the power to fight the fires of hell. And what power does he give us? He gives us the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was walking down the street and John the Baptist said, here comes one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to untie. That's the 2023 version. I guess the uh, Jesus Day version, whose satchels or sandals I'm not even worthy to unloose. What an incredible affirmation of the glory of God. What an incredible reverence. An almost immeasurable humility John the Baptist showed towards Messiah. It was very common practice. It wasn't just some random statement John came up with that day. It was very common practice. When a guest would come to your home, you provided them with water to wash their feet. They didn't have beautiful sidewalks made out of concrete and streets which were paved with, with asphalt and pavement. And they didn't, didn't walk on solid surfaces. The, the travel from my house to your house was a dusty experience. Not to be too crude, but the animals used the same path. You probably walked through some stuff to get there. And you probably didn't want that all over your house. So it was common practice. Let's release the shoes, untie my, my guests' shoes. It's hospitality. I'll, I'll untie their shoes and provide them water and, and, and cleanse their feet so that they can be clean as they come into my home. It was, it was not uncommon. It wasn't, wasn't an out-of-the-ordinary statement for John the Baptist to, that, to say, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to, to untie his shoes. But then he, he went from this place of ultimate humility before God to this incredible revelation of who God was. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. When God comes, the fire of the Holy Ghost begins to burn inside of us. When we've been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost fills us just like on the day of Pentecost. They were in one place, in one mind, in one accord. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I'm quoting Acts chapter 2 if you want to know where I'm at. And there appeared unto them like as cloven tongues of fire upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. There's something powerful about the fire of God when it sweeps in. I don't know if you've heard or, or paid attention or, or caught in the news stories of, of California or wherever when the, when the wild brush fires begin to blow or, or the, the prairie fires begin to burn out in Kansas and Nebraska. You'll hear the news reports. Uh, you could hear the, the rushing wind out in the distance because the intense heat and the cool temperatures create that, that force, that updraft, that wind that's blowing. 
Man, on the day of Pentecost, the room got a little hot. The temperature began to rise. And before the flames showed up, they heard the sound, the evidence of the fire coming. I want to tell you today, you feel the wind blowing in your life. You feel the torrential rain falling in your life. You feel the uncertainties in your life. Hold on, the fire's coming. Hold on, the fire's coming. God said his fire, the power of the Holy Ghost, is the fire that you can fight fire with. It's an old adage. It's not new to us. You've probably heard the statement. Well, if you're going to fight fire, you got to use fire. You can fight fire with fire. Now, sometimes we don't always use that with the best intentions. If they're going to smash the windshield out of my car, I'm going to smash every window out of their car. That is not the golden rule. If they're going to get me in trouble at work, I'm going to get them in trouble at Fighting fire with fire has this, this, this little hidden revenge built inside of it. That's not right. That's not what I'm preaching about today. But the, the origin of this word, the, the beginning of this phrase, come from the, the settlers, the early settlers in the United States who, in their terms, in their minds, were pressing west. They'd moved beyond the Mississippi. They'd crossed through the Appalachian Mountains. Now all that stood before them was the wide open vast plains of the Midwest. But they didn't realize the torture and the the struggle and the heartaches that would come from a lightning bolt. Which would spark a prairie fire. And quickly it would grow miles long and burn very tall with hot intense heat. And it would quickly sweep across the plains. Began to devise a plan. How can we save ourselves from the prairie fires? And if they had the opportunity and they would see the, the smoke billowing in the, in the distance. Or they would hear the sounds of the fire burning in the distance. They would rush their family together. And they would begin to intentionally set fires all around the, the boundaries of their property. Or around their house. And they would begin to burn a path all the way around. This was called backfire. They were burning back the fuel so that when the raging wildfire got to the edge of their property, there would be no fuel left for the fire to consume. They had already burnt it up. The backfire. Can I tell you today, the Holy Ghost is our backfire. The Holy Ghost will come into our life and it will begin to burn up all the stuff that hell would use and consume to let its fire burn. Are you with me? The power of the Holy Ghost will remove your guilt and shame. The power of the Holy Ghost will remove condemnation from your life. The power of the Holy Ghost will remove your your desire to follow after the things of worldliness. 
And so when the flames of, of this world and the flames of, of hell begin to burn in your life, uh, they run out of fuel because I don't have any worldliness left for it to burn up and to consume. I don't have any selfishness or pride left uh, for this world to consume. I don't have any sin in my life uh, for the fires of hell to consume. It runs up against a, a fire break or a fire line and it says there's nothing left to burn because the power of the Holy Ghost has already burned it out. The power of the Holy Ghost has already already cleansed me and purified me it's in the epistles that says we are like purified metal we've already been placed in the crucible and placed in the furnace and melted down to our core elements and all of the dross and all of the impurities have already been scooped off the top and the Bible says when we come out of the fire we will be pure I want to tell you today, God's making you better with the fire. God's making you better through the process. God's perfecting you in what he's doing through you. So just get engaged at the fire line. What we need, what I need, could I be honest and preach to you today as your pastor, what you need is a backfire. Not a backsliding, a backfire. If you don't want to backslide, backfire. If you don't want to backslide, quit building the things up in this world that gives the, the world fuel to burn in your life and, and start building up the things that give God fuel to burn in your life and he'll build a backfire in your life and you will build a buffer. Oh, it reminds me of Job. Job didn't just go out and, and offer a small sacrifice every morning. The Bible tells us that Job was perfect in the eyes of God or an upright man in the eyes of God. Job would go out every morning. He would offer sacrifices for Job. He'd offer sacrifices for Job and his wife. He'd offer sacrifices for all of his kids. Just in case. One of my kids decided to be a knucklehead today. I'm going to offer a sacrifice to God to cover them. This is what the power of the Holy Ghost does in our lives. This is what the power of the Spirit of God does in our lives. I should wake up every morning full of the Holy Ghost. Do you know how to make sure you don't backslide by lunch? Wake up full of the Holy Ghost. You know how to make sure you don't backslide when you go to bed at night? Get your second dose in the afternoon. You want to make sure you don't come to church next Sunday struggling and beat down and, and burdened and heavy? Just stay full of the Spirit this week. Let the power of the Holy Ghost burn in you. Let it be like a raging fire. We still here? Let it burn a path in your life. But it's going to be uncomfortable, yes. But it's going to remove some stuff, yes. But it's going to save your soul. It's going to liberate your mind. It's going to purify your thoughts. It'll make us more pleasing in the eyes of God. It changes my level of consecration. Okay. What would happen? 
I'm trying to remember the, which one it was. I think it was a Elijah or maybe Elisha. You don't have to go have someone have to fact check me. One of them, Elijah or Elisha. Breaks down the equipment he's using to work the field. Builds an altar. Uses the wood from the wagon and the yoke. Slaughters the animal that was pulling it. Builds an altar right in the middle of the field. When he woke up that morning, he was known as a farmer. When he left the field that day, he was a prophet. And the difference between being a farmer and being a prophet was the fire that burnt on an altar and consumed all of his past identity. He had to let go of some stuff. He had to burn up some stuff. He had to surrender some stuff to the flame. He had to give some stuff to the fire. I wonder what would happen if we would say, all right, Lord, I'm going to give this to you in the fire. Lord, burn this out of my life. Oh, Lord, your spirit's been moving on me and been, been convicting me. I'm going to put this in the fire today. Lord, I'm going to surrender this part of my life. Lord, my eyes have been taking in some stuff they're not supposed to be looking at. Lord, I'm going to surrender that aspect of my life to you. I'm going to build a fire line in my life. Lord, I've been engaged in some activity. I need to disengage from it. I need to take my desire and my will for that. And I need to place it on the fire, on the altar of fire today. And let your spirit burn that up so that it's not fuel for worldliness and ungodliness in my life. I'm trying to get to the next point, but I can't get there. God's crying out to us today. Find a place of surrender in your heart. Find a place of humility in your life and just put it in the fire. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside and looked, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. I want to tell you something that happens when you begin to heed the call of God. You step into a holy place. I desire for us at Live Spring Church to tread holy ground. I desire for us to often and with great willingness in our hearts 
to walk on holy ground. The first way to ever get to holy ground is you got to recognize the peculiar going on around you. We become so accustomed to accepting what's normal and anything that's outside of the normal, we simply dismiss and move on in life. But very rarely has God ever used normal. I mean, he's using me today. Peter wasn't normal. He was a hothead. Paul wasn't normal. He was a brainiac. God doesn't use normal. Normal's too run of the mill. If God wanted to, to build a team of normal, he would have went to all the religious people and got normal religious people to build disciples. But normal religious people weren't going to work for his disciples. He needed peculiar people. That's why the Bible says we are peculiar people. Were you willing to admit today you're not normal? I'm not normal. I'm not normal. I'm peculiar. The fire that burns inside me is not the same fire that burns inside of everybody else. The flames that burn inside of me don't destroy. The flames that burn inside of me build up. The flames of this world will destroy and the flames of this world will tear down and the flames of this world will remove but the flame of God burns inside of me and it builds up and it encourages and it uplifts. The first thing we have to do is recognize the peculiar. What's going on in your life that's outside of the norm? It's probably God talking to you. It's probably God calling to you. It's probably the voice of God trying to speak into your life because he's saying, I'm not going to talk to you in the normal. I'm going to talk to you outside of the normal. Pay attention over here. Bush that's burning and isn't consumed. I would imagine, this is my imagination, but I would imagine Moses had seen burning bushes. He's watching sheep in the middle of the desert. I guess this next week we get to feel desert heat. If you haven't checked the temperature yet for later this week, don't look till after service. It'll make you love Jesus more. Bush on fire. I've seen that, but whoa. It's still on fire. This is something weird. There's something peculiar going on here. Why? It's been burning for a long time now. It should be long gone. I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over here and see what's going on. He didn't dismiss the peculiar in his life. He decided to investigate the peculiar is going on. When God begins to move in our lives, it's going to pull us outside of the normal. It's going to pull us into, into the, the thing that we're not accustomed to and we shouldn't dismiss it. We should be willing to stop what we're doing, change the direction that we're going, and investigate the peculiar. Nobody I know who has a calling in their life ever received their calling from the sun deck of a yacht. I have quite a few ministerial friends. 
I've never heard the story of I was in the middle of the Mediterranean eating olives and tomatoes. And the sun was shining down as my arms began the bronze. The voice of God began to speak to me. It's never been the story. It's always been in the middle of a flame. It's always been in the middle of a struggle. It's always been in the middle of a fire. It's always been in a hard place. In a time where they had to choose to engage with the unnormal, the peculiar going on in their life. They had to unplug from normal and step aside out of their regular routine. They had to move aside from the common and go to the uncommon. And when they began to approach it, something began to happen. It got even more strange. But not only did the bush burn and not be consumed, but now the bush talks. I've been way out in this desert heat too long. I don't know if these sheep are worth talking bushes. The words of that bush, which were the words of God, and it was God manifesting himself in an unnormal, uncommon way to get a hold of his attention. And the words that spoke out of that bush grabbed a hold of the heart of the man. I want to tell you today, when you'll step out of your path and you'll begin to walk towards what God is doing that's uncommon in your life, he'll begin to speak. And the words that he speak are not just random words. They're not just words of of. of, of generality it'll be a word that speaks to your heart because God is beginning to make a calling into your life everybody that has a calling gets their calling from within the fire all callings come from the fire line can I tell you today callings don't go away callings don't go away if God's put a calling in your life and you've been running from it, good luck. Have you ever seen, I just feel like having fun this morning, afternoon. Have you ever seen those little blow up lanes that they put in it like, outside birthday parties or whatever, and it, it has Velcro in at the end of it, and it has a bungee cord they tie you to at the other end of it, and you have to see who can run the furthest and stick to the Velcro. I'm afraid if they got all this moving, it wouldn't stop, but what a fun game. You got to run, and you got to stretch that Velcro, stretch that bungee cord just as far as you possibly can, and, and if you're a little... A little tyke, you're not going to make it to the Velcro. You're going to get whiplash. That's the call of God. Once he latches onto your belt loop on the back, you can run as far and as hard as you want. Let me tell you, the further you get away from your calling from God, the more resistance you have in the bungee cord. And he's not going to let go until you release. And maybe it's going to be quite the trip on the way back, but hold on. callings of God do not go away 
Maybe you've been to the burning bush already in your life. And, and maybe you've already experienced the uncommonness of a, of a bush beginning to speak to you. And maybe you've already experienced uh, that anointing of the word coming out of the bush and, and connecting with your soul. And maybe you've made a commitment in your heart that someday I'll answer the call of God. I want to tell you today, step back into the fire line. Step back into the fire line today where the voice of God can speak again. Where a calling can be renewed and a passion can be restored. I tell you today, callings are not to offices. Callings are not to positions. Callings are not to titles. A calling is an anointing. And God anoints us to do stuff. Now there is a asterisk with fine print at the bottom of the page. It says, sitting on the pew is not part of an anointing. God, not, God did not anoint anybody to do the act of existing. He calls us to do the work of the kingdom. What's the greatest anointing anybody can have? The greatest anointing anybody can have is if you can love like Jesus loved. And let me tell you, it takes a spirit-filled anointing to love some people. Lord, anoint us to love. Lord, call us to love like you loved. Lord, give me a calling in my life. I, I've seen people. The world has beat up on them. The world has, they've struggled through life and they've lost trust and confidence in anything that lives. They have no ability to love. All they have is ability to distrust and hate. But something happens that moment when the power of God hits them. They'll jump up from an altar, having received the Holy Spirit, and they'll run around hugging everybody. The people that were talking about their past lifestyle before church starts, they're out there hugging them. I love you. There's something about an anointing of God that sweeps over you when His Spirit comes. The greatest anointing is the anointing to love like Jesus loved. To see people the way Jesus sees people. To serve the kingdom of God. So may I ask my question again today. Would you be willing to meet Jesus at the fire line today? You can stand with me this morning. I don't know which camp you fall in today. Are you in the midst of a fiery trial? Are you struggling with a burning desire inside of you for worldliness and temptation? I want to tell you today you can be liberated you can be set free today if you'll just let the power of God sweep over you and into your life. You don't have to leave the same way you showed up. You don't have to leave bound. You can be liberated by the fire of the Holy Ghost today. And I don't know, maybe you're in the other camp this morning. You're in the camp that says, Lord, I will someday. Lord says, today is your day. 
Today is your day to enlist. Today is your day to say, all right, Lord, put me on the schedule. Today is your day to say, all right, Lord, give me my boots. Give me my hat. Put me in the fire line. Lord, I want to fight the fire. Would you be willing to meet Jesus at the fire line today? Would you be willing to release every fear every timid thought, every uncertainty, and just give God a chance. Would you let the fire of the Holy Spirit be ignited or strengthened to burn a blaze inside of you today? Would you leave today so full of the Holy Spirit that its heat radiates and it completely annihilates all the fire from hell that would burn around you? Would your flame become so powerful by His Spirit that it begins to impact others? Yes, the Holy Ghost builds a a hedge around us. uh, But what happens if you begin to build a hedge around so-and-so in your family with the fire? What happens if the fire burning in your life uh, is so fervent and so intense uh, that you walk into the room of an addict uh, and they're just like, I need what you've got because what I've got is not what I need. I want the power of the Holy Ghost to, to burn fervently in my life today. It would be appropriate today to be completely filled, full, and overflowing with the Holy Ghost and His Spirit today. I wonder if you just lift your hands right where you are. Lord, I want your Spirit. Maybe you have a surrender you want to make to God. This altar is open. If you want to take a step forward in faith today and make a commitment to God, this altar is open. Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm hungry for you. Lord, come and burn inside of me. Take me to the fire line today, oh God. Let your fire burn inside of me. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.